Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Yes. Hello and hello all you formal listeners out there in listener land. Welcome to Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast, where we talk about Star Trek, illogically. Ad nauseum. Ad nauseum, until you vomit. But you like some Latin there. I love a little Latin. Fantastic. Uh, listen, today's star date is star date 140219.1. We're talking about Star Trek Discovery. Season 4, Episode 9, entitled Rubicon. Rubicon. Which ties into our our Latin from a moment ago. Yes, but before we get into the show, we got to get a little business out of the way. And we talk about our Patreon that we have. Stevie, what do you have to say about Patreon? So we have a Patreon, people. That's not a surprise. You just heard (laughs) that we said we have a Patreon. Uh, It's patreon.com forward slash set phasers. And for the month of March... All of our patrons are getting access to all of the levels. So we're going to include Zoom hangouts with us after our watch party. So we'll have a set phasers watch party where we will watch, where we will watch, see that's hard, where we will watch an episode of Star Trek. It changes every time we do it. So it's a monthly watch party. Correct. And then we'll chat about Star Trek afterwards, all of us together on a Zoom. You will also, of course, get early access to the audio episodes and video if you are at a certain level. But for the month of March, you can join us at whatever stage you like, pay as little as you like, and you'll get access to everything. That's patreon.com forward slash set phasers. Oh, and our next watch party is 227. So join us before then and you can have fun with us. And that is what is happening in Patreon this week. Without further ado, then, we best get into this episode and run it down. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down for me? Okay, piece of cake. Very simple. Nothing to worry about. It's uh, Book and Tarka just working on their isolytic bomb that are outlawed by the Federation in order to blow up the DMA, but to save the controlling mechanism so that Tarkin can get back to his different dimension universe that he comes from. And that's great. They're working on that in some kind of hidden rogue planet thing that's falling apart. So Book and Tarka are working on their bomb. It's just an isolytic bomb. It's just going to blow up a lot of stuff. But Tarka reminds book that he wants to keep the internal power source that is controlling the dma intact because that's going to allow him to get to his universe it's not the mirror universe he says but it's another universe to meet a friend that he promised he would meet there meanwhile on discovery michael and saru are in michael's ready room she got a response from book basically says listen i'm sorry it has to be this way but that's the way it's going to be even with the data that you gave me that says that 
this is a mining device. It's not meant to be a war machine and they have no regard for us. Book says it's still important to blow this thing up and he's gonna stick to Tarka's plan. Basically they're leaving Discovery with no choice. Michael has a meeting with Admiral Vance. She wants to lead the mission. They say Disco's the only one that can get there in time. So obviously she has to, even though she's super close to Book. But they've decided they're going to send another officer in order to take care of things if Michael can't make a hard decision when it's game time. And that other officer is none other than Commander Nan, who is uh, no longer on that sea chip and went to her home planet of Barzan to find her family people. And she's a little cagey about how that went, but she's basically like, it's good to see you guys again, and I'm here to help you. And so maybe this will work out, but it does seem like things should get a little tense. Meanwhile, Saru, who's just going through a stressful time with all this going on, contacts the president of Navarre, President Tarina, and he's asking about the Threshtor Kashek meditation that they did to help settle his mind. They sit down. They try to do it. It doesn't really work. Tarina's like, oh, it seems like you're having a little trouble concentrating. And Saru's like, yeah, with all the stuff going on with the book and the anomaly, <laughs> it's just so intense. She goes, sometimes when meditation doesn't work, sometimes the the peaceful meditations of daily life work. Take a walk or perhaps have dinner with a friend. I would be down to have dinner sometime. And Saru's like, oh, I, what, uh, or be, or, uh, or Marp, Marp. Oh, I think I hear Michael calling me. Gotta run to the bridge microwave and get the popcorn I'm making. So he, uh, yeah, politely gets out of that situation. He doesn't know exactly what he's going to do. He heads to the bridge. The crew is arguing about Michael and Book and the Discovery and if the plan works and if it's bad and if they should be going through with it. And uh, Michael shows up on the ship. She explains Commander Nan's role. The plan is to jump in, surprise Book and Tarka at the rogue planet because they have that tracker that Michael put on the Isolinium in the last episode. And they're going to try to get that stuff and prevent them from jumping to the anomaly with it, because that would mean they would have to follow them into the anomaly, which would be worst case scenario. So obviously everything goes according to plan. Black alert. Activate the cloak. Sweet cloak. Let's fly. Disco jumps in just outside of the rogue planet, gets close. They send over a mission. That's Culber, Reese, Bryce and Saru. They're going to fly down there. The, obviously, they can't just beam aboard because Book has all these cool anti-security things. They're going to go through this hatch that Michael knows about because she's been on the ship. And they're going to go in through the ship. So they go. They connect to the ship. It's all working out in their cloaked Discovery 2 shuttle vessel. And then some kind of weird thing starts eating at the connection and the ship and holding it in a weird sort of icy thing. And Book's like, what's going on? He's an alarm he's never heard of. Just what just happened to me. And uh, he goes, oh, what's going on? And Charker goes, oh, I put in some new security things. And then Book realizes, obviously, a Discovery must have found them. Michael must have planted a device. That means a Discovery shuttle is trying to board them. But Tark is not able to turn off his security measure, which is, of course, deadly. And thus, they have to do all the stuff where Book sends in, what do you call it, electromagnetic uh, pulse into the thing to shut it down so the crew can pull away. But the ship starts to break apart. But then Oweshikun is able to get a lock on the away team just as the ship completely rips apart and transport them away to the bridge. Tracker signal dies. Book checks in to make sure everyone's okay. And then they jump away to the anomaly. Duh. Damn. We thought... We were going to be able to, the episode would have been six minutes long, but it would have been nice if they could have avoided any more shenanigans. Disco has to jump in as well. Another black alert. They jump in. Disco's in the DMA. Shields up. They're trying to find Book and Tarka. There's a lot of dark matter interference. They set up a search. Not a request to speak to Michael and Saru privately. And that is where she reveals that if their first mission had gone 
poorly. She had been told to tell them about this second solution, this last resort. There's a vulnerability in Book's ship. Even though the ship is airtight, there's a weakness at the spore drive, and that if they shoot a photon torpedo into the manifold, impulse manifold, it will, quote, weak point at the spore drive and destroy the whole ship. And because of the dark matter interference, they wouldn't be able to beam anybody out, which means Book and Tarka would both die. But it's a last resort in case things go badly. Obviously, Michael's super against it. Obviously, Nan is super forward. And Saru's assistant. And I just had a talk in this same situation with Dr. Culver. And he says, in times of division, why don't we find something that we can agree on and start there? And that gives Michael a plan. Ah, oh, compromise. Something we both want. She calls down to Stamets. She says, hey, if this thing is meant to mine space for Boronite, we could know exactly how long it's going to be here if we could figure out how much Boronite is in the area before the next jump, which means we wouldn't have to make a drastic decision right away. So can they create a town down? It would be hard, but Stamets and Zora are going to work on it as fast as they can. And if they can tell Book, hey, look, it's only going to take a month or a year to jump, then maybe he'll stand down from rash action immediately. But meanwhile, Book and Tarka are looking for that controlling device. And Tarka mentions there will be a point. Her book is going to have to decide between Michael and Disco and destroying the dark matter anomaly. Disco picks up an energy spike. Book ship is dead ahead. Non suggests taking the shot immediately. Michael wants to try to blow out Book's scanners. They do that. And then Book fires a magnesium charge into a hydrogen cloud, which could cause not significant damage, but would leave them dead in the water as well. But Michael's able to dive low because these are all moves that they did when they were both being uh, what you call it together so they know all their each other's tricks so they're playing cat and mouse and uh, non as michael's second and tarka as book second are both like you gotta stop playing around and make the decision and that's where we go oweshikun finds the rift disco heads straight to it they have sight on the D on the dma controller they zoom in non is still suggesting the last resort michael takes disco in as close as possible because she's like, we're going to stand between book ship and the controller and not allow them to fire however she does give Nam the power to to call for that last thing if Michael can't do it, which is a good compromise as far as Nam is concerned. Book ship is coming in fast. It's another bit of cat and mouse. They're like hitting each other's shields and their spore drive jumping out and in and out of space in front of each other. Ha 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 ha. You can't ha ha. And they're like, Michael and Book are privately like smirking. Oh, he's smart. Ah, yeah, he figured that one out. Meanwhile, yeah, Tark is getting very up. And then Michael says, okay, if we can just get this information, we can we can get this to Book, which they do. They're able, oh, just before, uh, yes, Michael is about to call for the thing where it would kill Book and Tarka, but save the DMA so they could do the first contact mission. Stamets gets back with the countdown. It's going to be almost a full week before the Boronite in that area is gone, which means they have a clock. They can use the countdown. Michael gives uh, Nan the permission to make the decision if this, if a gamble doesn't work out. And her plan is to go in a shuttle, fly right up to the viewport of Bookship, and try to talk him off the cliff with this new information. She manages to do that, flies in, even though Reese is standing by ready to fire the weapon. She explains to Book, listen, no one would be harmed for a week we have a week to try and do this first contact mission. If that fails, if we can't do the first contract, then we'll go back to your plan to destroy the controller. Tarka asks Book not to take the deal. Book looks into Michael's eyes. Oh, yeah. And he takes the deal. Tarka is upset, but Book is, listen, I'll bring my ship to Discovery. We'll hold it there. We'll see if first contact works since we have. It's rational. As they're flying back, this is the part that I, it's just so Federation-y. 
that Michael's like, good, great, thanks for standing down. And then just flies back to her ship, like, Book and them are coming in, and I think they're going to stand down. It's great, even though Tarka is a complete hotshot. Tarka, of course, starts monologuing some crazy game theory nonsense about expected utility and making gambles when scenarios are unsure and outcomes are uncertain. And uh, as he's doing that, and Book's like, huh, I wonder why this guy's talking about this weird, obscure thing that I don't know anything about. Surely he'll go along with the thing that he told me not to go along with. Uh, Tarka quickly brings it up and shoots the explosion device, the isolytic device, into the controller itself, meaning that it will uh, blow up. Uh, Book notifies Discovery. He says, you got to jump out of the area. He won't jump until they're safe. Then Book jumps. The weapon explodes. Boom, boom, bang. The DMA is destroyed. Tarka says it had to be done. But now they're looking for the power source, and they can't find it. Oh. And Mr. Smarmy Smarmy Pants uh, realizes that the DMA is not powered from the DMA. It's powered from the other side, outside of the Galactic Rim. Would you think somebody as smart as Tarka claims to be might have figured in his, quote, expected utility anyway so they can't find anything non goes to speak to michael they've gone back to the headquarters because they basically failed the mission but so it goes uh they're gonna fast track the first contact mission so they're leaving the very next day to try and talk to the species 10c non sits down and tells michael about having worked with the family he did find the family the kids in the park and tried to talk to them but there was so much to say and things were classified and she didn't want to go with this like in-between relationship of like hi also, there's a mystery to how I'm involved. And it's all really a layered discussion about Nan's interaction with things being good or bad or black mm. and white and how Michael says things have to be in a sort of area of greatness. And Nan actually says, I think it's time for me to get okay with some middle ground. They hug. Nan says she'd like to come back to Disco someday. By the way, Nan has been working for Federation Security, so she's been doing like black ops covert work or whatever. Dismantling the Emerald Chain, I think they say at some point in the episode. Colbert uh, gets visited by Saru in the med bay and Saru's like, hey, you did great on the mission before that went really badly. Just a uniform, just like quick question. What if somebody who was like the president of Navarre had asked you out on a date and you were like, we're probably not compatible because like I'm from one place and you're like <laughs> from another place and I'm from the past and you're from now and like, how would I tell her like it's not going to work and then Culver's like, wait a second, are you not into President Serena? And Saru's like, oh no, I'm definitely into President Serena. I just don't know what, how I should not, I don't think I should because I got to watch other people. And Culver's like, uh, listen, connection's always a risk, bro. So why don't you go for it while you can? We're in the middle of fighting a species that may be super strong. Just say okay to a date, you dummy. And just as he does that, Saru gets called to the bridge and Michael so shows Saru the video from the USS Mitchell, which had been watching the area where the DMA had been. And guess what? A new DMA has appeared in exactly the same location. Thus, can we assume a kind of first contact has been made? And Species Tensia said, so you blew up our first miner. We'll just make another one. We're getting that Boronite. And that ends Episode 9, Season 4, Star Trek Discovery, Rubicon. 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 Shall we chat about that? Ooh, I'd love to. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Yes, let's do. Well. Lots? Comments? Concerns? Oh, lots. I think my overall thought about it was I just love the general female energy that was in this between like Nan and Michael just the general female leadership I think that was really highlighted in this episode and that mm -hmm. style even if it was Dr. Cobber and Saru having that moment between 
Rice and no, Bryce and Reese. Not Bryce, Bryce and, and Reese. Reese. That is a confusing away TV. <laughs> Trust me, I had to write it down. I was yeah. like, who's, wait, Rice is, no, Breeze is, Bryce, oh, God. Breezy Bryce. Reese and Bryce, and they are fighting. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, I just love that overall feeling of it. That yeah, was pretty cool. I thought that was great. It was wonderful to have Commander Non back, too, because I do feel like she was one of the pseudo antagonists to Michael, not quite as intense as Giorgio was always like, Michael, you make the hard decision. And Michael's like, ah, I'm going to save everybody. And I feel like that was also the role that Non had in series one and two when she mm-hmm. was a holdover from my other hot, sexy, I hope he's the bad guy guy. Jason Isaacs? Yeah, but his character. Yes, yes, yes. Lorca. <laughs> Um, Lorca. Lorca. You would think I would have that tattooed on my chest somewhere at this point. I really want Lorca to come back. Anyway, <laughs> yes, that was. You could super have Lorca great. on one side, Book on the other. Yes, I'll get wings. Oh, on my shoulder blades. Yeah, I think. great. Now I have a plan for my first two tattoos. But I agree. Yes, I love that the two ladies in charge, like Michael's in charge, but Nan also has the ability to take charge. And it's like they were at loggerheads, but they found a way to work around it. They had to like both compromise and trust one another to make gambles that they would not have necessarily agreed with. Like Michael going to talk to Book and Nan basically being like, let's blow these people up. Because she does mention that she had been on that away mission where she waited too long and lost half of her crew. So yeah. I thought that was great. Really love that. Did you think it was a bit of a contrast having that female energy on Disco and then on Bookship? Totally. Yeah. The two of them just going at it. And it was just how not to do leadership or work together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like, okay, let's have a discussion about this. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll get into some heated words. But then eventually, you know what? We find what the other has to say as something worth considering. And maybe we can come to some compromise. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Book and Tarka is, no, yes. What are you talking about? Uh, I don't want to do I'm just going to do this. You something, bro. Uh, you ever heard about game theory? Anyway, blow it up. Touch that console yes, again, and I'll take your hands off. Touch that console again, and I'll take your hands off. Which also, like, he should have just, listen, if they're going to be toxic bros, Book should have just punched him in the face and knocked him out. <laughs> he not trustworthy that at happen. that moment. Me too. But instead, he's like, you sit there, and you think what we did, mister. And of course, then he blows up the freaking thing. Yeah. So, whatever. Yes, I thought that that duality was very clearly understated. Connected to that, the I, I feel like one of the big issues is the weapon is gone, but Tarko will still want to get that control device. What's his next plan? Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's going to ruin more first contact, right? Yeah. That, that's his thing. He's going to try to go there first. Now he's pissed. <laughs> yeah, now he's pissed, and he's obviously obsessively driven to do whatever this evening he's doing lives be damned and book is not hailing them so they haven't contacted each other since that explosion yeah i thought that was quite funny just as a, not to take away from quotable moments but that scene where nan's going oh have you heard from book and, and michael i've been hailing him but he hasn't been answering it just felt like the future equivalent of i've been texting him and he's not answering my yeah. text. i don't know if being ghosted by book and tarka it's weird it's I like we that. seem to have such a good, th- good thing going in the anomaly when we're fighting each other but now it's like mm. nothing yes Point number two, certainly for me, because I ship things. Yes. Saru and Tarina sitting in a tree. What's going to happen there? Interspecies marriage. Listen, just go out on a date. We don't have to jump to interspecies marriage. Just have dinner, have tea. They get along so well. They love meditating and they love plants and stuff. Listen, he gave her that dope salt plant one <laughs> time. He gave her that tea. Like, you knew what you were getting into, boss. Don't try to. Uh, Hugh, could you help me get out of this situation? I, come on, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. I don't think I've Come ever on, heard bro. you say that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm <laughs> just trying, trying something new. 
I'm trying on something new. I'm mm -hmm. trying on this bro character guy. Anyway, I'm me. I'm super excited for that. And my final point is Species 10C. Do they truly not give? They don't care about us at all or human life at all? Or is it like, are they going to be like, oops, we didn't know if someone was there? Or are they like, we need power, whatever. We killed the whole planet. Who cares? We kill plants all the time. Yeah. I'm just so curious what their deal is. No idea. It's definitely Lorca. Part of me, do you remember it like <laughs> when in black? Mm -hmm. When they like pan out the very end. Oh, yes. To the marbles. Course. Who could not, who could forget that beautiful scene? It was like, I think in terms of special effects, that was probably one of the earlier movies to do anything like that, especially science fiction as well, but to pull out and then it blew my mind of, wait, aliens can be bigger than us? Like, like, maybe we're, like we're like min yeah. minuscule, like we're like an atom to them. Yeah. That blew my mind. And I thought, oh, maybe that's 10cc. 10c, not 10cc. 10 10 that's the band. 10cc. <laughs> I wonder if they're huge. I Yeah, I'm just so curious what this species 10c is going to be like. If they're even going to talk to. Like, First Contact gonna, is going to... I don't know. I wish the best for the Federation, but sometimes they are so gullible. Anyway, mm. I'm looking forward to where this goes. I think I may have misquoted last week. I think there's 13 episodes in the season, so I think we have four episodes left. But Picard is starting March 3rd. So maybe there'll be a That a looks like there's going to be an overlap. Thing. Yep, a little bit of an overlap. What are we going to do? We're going to be super busy, and... I'm also not going to be home on March 3rd. So things are going to be very exciting. <laughs> so listener, Indeed. bear in mind, we may have some sort of break in service or yeah. an episode or dropping I, on a different day. Yeah, My sound quality may be like, oh, it sounds like Aki's on the side in of the stage tunnel. while someone's mm. banging on a drum. Okay, listen, I think it's time to get into quotable moments. Quotable. Quotable moments. In times of division, we can identify that upon which we can agree. A shared goal, perhaps. That can lead to compromise. Saru. That was good. Yeah. By yeah. way of Dr. Colbert. By way of Dr. Yeah. Colbert. What you got? One of my favorites is very early was, I can't help be impressed by your ability to navigate a loophole. <laughs> that was very good. Yes. Yes. Admiral. Yeah. Oh, oh, I loved uh, the interaction between Michael and Stamets when she's, I need that number. And he's like, I'm crunching as fast as I can. And Michael says, can you crunch faster? And Stamets says, is there an acceptable answer other than yes? And Michael says, no. And Stamets says, then yes. I thought that was great. That was good. I keep telling but you won't answer. The other one, obviously, was as leaders, we see success or failure, right or wrong, but it's never that binary. A lot of this episode was about it's we, the answer is more complicated than it first appears, not just right or wrong. Oh, and then f my final really loved Colbert saying to Saru, with respect, sir, in my professional opinion, you're being an idiot. <laughs> that was my last one, too. Okay, great. And correct. Oh, Saru. So true. We, it's, we're so able to see the faults and to give advice to others, but we simply are not able to see the faults in ourselves. I thought you, said you were saying uh, that, Kirk, there. We are simply not I'm able to see the faults in like ourselves. I didn't mean to speak like <laughs> Kirk, but it happens sometimes. Well, that's quotable moments. I think it's time <gasps> for a brand new segment oh, i'm so excited so we reached out to some of our listeners and we asked if there was anything they might be more interested in terms of the show so we have a news section i was gonna say a new section but it is a news it's new section also but it's, it's a news section yes. so here we go yes you hear the little pulsy newsy there we go 
This is exciting. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> the news. Well, the, <clears throat> should I do it in my presenter voice? I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, listen. <clears throat> the tradition. Fourth new film returning in 2023 in the Kelvin timeline. <gasps> what? Well, during the CBS investor presentation, J.J. <laughs> Abrams announced that this was coming in 2023, which is very exciting. Reportedly, the delays wow. in the production... This is reported, but alleged also. Well, I don't know. This is See, this is why I don't do the news. The negotiations with Chris Hemsworth from Thor, because originally the story plan was that they would be taking Kirk back to meet his father. Oh. And I think the budget of Hemsworth and Pine, they were arguing about who would get more money. So they've now abandoned that storyline because Chris Hemsworth will not be reappearing, but everyone else will be reappearing. JJ Abrams will be producing with Matt Shackman of WandaVision in the director's chair. And the film at the moment is currently untitled. What could it be about? What could it be? Strange New World released a poster this week with a premiere date of May 5th, featuring a tableau of a massive USS Enterprise starship hovering over a stark desert landscape bathed in the orange glow of an alien planet's sunset. Oh my, a strange new world indeed. Indeed. The serene scene is a callback to Pike's younger years in the saddle while growing up in California's Mojave Desert. Did I say that right? You sure did. Thank you so much. The streaming platform expansion for Paramount Plus will be continuing this year, hitting the UK, Ireland, France, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, South Korea, and the Caribbean in 2022, with Asia, Middle East, and Africa in 2023. So fans around the world, you will be able to get Paramount Plus. Because now I think in in other countries we're watching Discovery on Netflix or something like that. I think it's Amazon in the UK. Amazon. It was Netflix. It's now Amazon. I said Amazon. Like oh, you. I don't know. How, so everyone's been panicking about how they get their yeah. Star Trek. And I believe... Oh, that's right. That at the was beginning a big to-do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So big to-do. Big to-do. Big to-do. Star Trek Cruise 5 sets off oh, February boy. 25th. How exciting. Through to March 5th. So look out for some shenanigans from stars and fans in the next week or so on the old gram. And finally, Star Trek Mission Chicago is uh, selling tickets for the event April 8th to the 10th, featuring, oh, this is exciting, Aki, featuring such guests and stars as the OG Captain Kirk himself. Oh, boy, in his 90s. William Shatner, indeed. George Takai, that might be interesting because those two don't get along. Mm. Kate Mulgrew, Will Wheaton. Of course, Will, Will Wheaton will be there. Will, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton will, will be will in be attendance. There. And Michelle Hurd, Nana, visitor. We love oh, Nana. Oh, we love Nana. Everything about Nana. Mm-hmm. We do. Anthony Rapp. And finally, Doug Jones. Oh. So that's very exciting. I don't know if I'll be able to attend, which is unfortunate. Uh, I was very much hoping to do that. Yeah. We we talked away a month ago about this, but I think I'm on the road. Well, this has been a truly a huge news update. We've learned so many things. It has been a huge news update. And that's all from the news update. Oh, that was fun. I enjoyed <laughs> Okay, I think it's just time Probably for next too time. Much. No, I think that was right. Next time on Set Phasers. Well, I didn't even know how to follow up the news. I mean, my God, the puff piece at the end of the show. Well, next time we're going to be discussing episode 10. Hopefully they're going to start trying to make first contact. There's no name for it yet. 
But episode 10, 11, 12, and 13 are yet to come in Discovery's charge for the end of season four. As always, listen, it's been a delight and a pleasure to have you with us. If you enjoyed the program, you can go back and catch old episodes wherever you get podcasts. And new episodes drop every Monday wherever you get your podcasts from. Stevie? Yeah, and do follow us on the old Instagram. I had a rather funny meme this week with Valentine's Day, if you missed that. I had a rather funny... I had a rather funny meme. Yes. And it was, will you be my Earl Grey hottie? Yes. From I thought. <laughs> and seven of mine. Mm. Uh, and of course, please do follow us. We are at Set Phasers Podcast and at Set Phasers on Facebook and Instagram, respectively. Hashtag Meme Strong. And patreon.com forward slash Set Phasers for all the extra behind the scenes fun with us and our community of Trek nerds just like yourself. Our next watch party with our people will be the 27th at this Sunday coming so Mm -hmm. should you join up to our Patreon in the near future you'll get to join us for our watch party and we will say rather funny things I think well yes we we try to say funny things that is our MO it'll be rather funny indeed that's all from us I am Stevie Mans oh boy I wrote this one and I shipped Presmander Traru uh, or Commandant Sartrina or, even better, Presmonderant Starurina. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Those were clumsy portmanteaus of President Trina and Commander Saru. Oh, I was not getting that. Presmander Traru, yeah. Commandant Sartrina, and Presmonderant Starurina. I love how hard you worked on that. That's cute. I won't say that I spent an inordinate amount of time on that. <laughs> Because I'd be embarrassed to admit it. Indeed. Well, good lord. Computer and program. Mm-hmm.